What is a monetized mindset? How does it impact your financial security? How does that help you deal with what happens when what happens happens? Welcome your host, Bart Merrill. Welcome back everyone to the Monetize Your Mindset podcast. This is where we create financial security by monetizing the things that we already know or do. We take a close look at what do you like to do? What do you need to do? What are you already doing? And we ask, how can we monetize it? We want to create that financial security so that we're prepared for what happens when what happens happens. When life happens, and we're right in the middle of that right now. Hope everybody's doing okay. I want to take a short moment here and let you know that the Identify Your Ideal Side Hustle free online course is up today. You can find it at sidehustle.monetizeyourmindset.com. Once again, sidehustle.monetizeyourmindset.com. Go check it out, and this course will help you identify the areas that you may be overlooking that you could monetize and help you create that financial security so that you have the resources and that you're prepared for what happens when what happens happens. Okay, let's get back to the episode. On today's episode, we talk with Mark Mason from Late Night Online Marketing. His website is latenightim.com. Mark, he is he has a corporate job at a very good company, has lots of responsibilities and stress You know, it's stressful sometimes, but he still has a side hustle that he does late at night and sometimes early in the morning, helping people get their stuff off the ground. This is a very fun interview, very insightful, and Mark, oh, he is a servant leader, and I appreciate that he he practices what he what he preaches. He doesn't just say stuff and then does does the opposite. And I really appreciated that about him. It, it comes out in the interview, but we don't know each other. I heard him on another podcast. I reached out to him through his website, and he made it happen. We he got on my podcast, and oh, it was a great interview. Great person to know. So enjoy this interview today. It was it was fun to do. With that, let's get to Mark. All right. Welcome, Mark, to the Monetize Your Mindset podcast. Mark, well, thank you for joining us tonight. Oh, man, Bart, I'm so excited to be here. This, you know, with all the craziness in the world right now, this is a, this is a real highlight for me. So I'm really, really flattered that you had me here today, and I'm, it's really great to be here. You know, Mark, we talk about monetizing your mindset and being prepared. I call it, are you prepared for what happens when what happens happens? Are yeah, you prepared yeah, for absolutely. When life happens? Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And, you know, focusing outside of your circle of control in that instance is not useful, but focusing inside the stuff that you can really get your hands on and do something about, you can, you can really, you know, make a big difference in the way things go for you when stuff happens. That's for sure. Yeah, it, and we're in the midst of this what's happening is happening right now. And I don't know, did you try and shop last week at all? Yeah, I did. Actually, uh, I'm, I'm here in Texas. Um, we shopped early and you and I were talking before the call. I was in China around the time that this problem got started over there. So this has been on my mind. I work during the day for a multinational corporation. We have factories in China. And so I was aware of it. So we started preparing slowly. We have plenty of toilet paper here at my house, thankfully. (laughs) But I did go to the store to get a few items and I was pretty surprised at how um, picked over things were. But I grew up in Houston 
mountain where there are hurricanes. So I'm pretty used to this kind of uh, hoarding okay. mentality. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy. I, my wife, every time we go to cost, every time I go to Costco and toilet paper is on sale, she has me grab one and I fight her tooth and nail trying to say, we have plenty. We don't need any more. And now she's saying, now, aren't you glad we got that? Yeah, <laughs> because absolutely. we were prepared. I needed a gift card. I needed a gift card to buy some of my stuff that I shipped to Japan. I just wanted an Amazon gift card because one of our grocery stores here gives fuel points so we can get gas cheaper. There you and go. So if I'm going to spend $500 on buying parts that I'm shipping to Japan, that's quite a few. That's like two bucks off. Yeah, absolutely. Gallon. That's right. And so I wanted to go get that. I went to get it. The lines in this store went both ways and were just crazy. It was probably a two hour wait. And I was just like, nah, I don't, I don't know anything that is worth that, but we were, well, you know, I guess if you need toilet paper, maybe that would be the one thing. I don't know. <laughs> I guess it is. The idea about this podcast is to, to be prepared for when what happens happens. I feel like I'm pretty prepared even. I, we were talking before we started recording here and my business is going to be a lean year for my Japanese sales. It's okay. going to be a lean year for my main source of income. But I have other sources of income that come in, side hustles that come in. Plus, I'm never comfortable unless I have eight to 10 months in the, in the bank. Right. Yep. And so I'm good, but I wish I was more prepared because there's going to be some good ways to make money when this recovers. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, just the market being the most obvious one. If you're in, if you're in position to get into the market when we start to recover, I think that's going to be a, a really large opportunity. There's already so much value that's taken out of the market, and to get in at the bottom of a deal like that, yeah. like a lot of people did in 2008, you can really make a lot of money very quickly that way. And I did that in 2008 as well. You know, I was, I. I don't know if I was more prepared or less prepared. I don't remember, but I did get into, you know, some life insurance plans and some different investments at that belly, right? When it was in the 7,000 range. Right. And it's been a sweet ride. And so I wish I was a little bit more prepared so I could do that on this one. But if people are prepared mentally, financially for these types of things, both so that they're not taking the hit but also so that they are able to take advantage of different side hustle ideas. That's what we're here to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, that's how all this started for me. Um, back in 2007, I was involved in, you know, the 2008 downturn. And I was put in a position not where my job was at risk, but where I had to take some actions to let some people go. Some very responsible, fiscally responsible, good business decisions, good, strong business decisions um, that I was a part of, but that impacted people that I knew personally. And I recognized in that moment that the only difference between me and the person on the other side of the desk was just the desk. I mean, there was no reason that I couldn't be one of those people that was was being let go on behalf of, of shareholders, you know, to which I have a fiduciary responsibility, right? So right. these are good, fair business decisions that are made, um, you know, with all the best intents. But as, as you said to open the show, sometimes life happens to you 
you. And for me, that meant I wanted to go find something that I was very interested in and excited about that I could, what I called at the time, a cash flow positive hobby. That's really what I was looking for. And that's how I got started in internet marketing. Exactly the same kind of situation. And I want people to know that you have a, a hardcore full-time job and you do this after hours. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and sometimes before hours, but yeah, uh, the brand itself is actually the branding of, of my side hustle is side hustle related. I call it late night internet marketing because most of the work that I do online happens late at night after the kids have gone to bed, after my wife's in bed, and that's how it all got started. And what? It, go ahead and let's tell us what you do. Yeah. So in, in 2007, I got a phone call from my wife and she said, you know, you've been talking about trying to find this side hustle thing. I just got I just finished watching the Today Show and she, she told me and I saw this most amazing story about a guy who was a, a retired hardware handyman and he had written down everything he ever knew about hardware on the internet and was making $11,000 a month with a website about how to fix dripping faucets and change doorknobs and I thought, this is amazing. And so it turned out he was doing some combination of ad placement and affiliate marketing, but he was basically monetizing information that he had. And I looked at this website. It was not a beautiful website. Bart, I'm going to tell you, it was the ugliest website I've ever seen making $11,000 a month. And I thought, if I, if that guy can do that, so can I. I'm going to understand how money moves around on the internet. And I just became fascinated by internet marketing. And later that turned into a business where I help other people start side hustles. And that's really what late night internet marketing is about. But really, I just became fascinated with the economics of the internet. And I became very passionate about learning everything I could about that. So why do you do it? Why were you looking for a side hustle in the beginning? And I mean, you, it takes time, right? You, it's 10 o'clock past 10 o'clock, almost 1030 right now, your time. And we're doing this interview. Why do you do it? Yeah. You know, I think first of all, I do it because of what I, I think most, in most cases, people do things because of what they get out of it. When you unpack all the reasons, usually you'll find out that somebody's getting something in return. And what I get in return from late night internet marketing, besides whatever financial rewards there are, there is a lot of that brand has turned into a brand where I get to help people. And I personally find that very satisfying. I have a podcast. A lot of people listen to it. I get notes from those people. And that's a lot of times the highlight of my day when I get a communication from a listener that tells me the thing that I said on my podcast helped them do whatever. That's the big thing that I really enjoy now. It's also, you know, there's money and there's the added security of having that side hustle in case weird things happen in the economy like is happening now. But <laughs> all of those be? things add together, right? All of those things add together. But I would say the big driving force for me now is just the satisfaction I get out of helping people. You know, and I, I get that because uh, I wrote a book. It's The book is Monetize Your Mindset, where I talk about, you know, the same stuff I talk about on here. And a friend of mine read that book. And she is, she calls herself the manifest, the manifesting queen and her, oh, cool. and her and her and her husband were chatting and says, we need to, we need to get together every morning and have an accountability session. And she, she says, no, 
We're going to do a call. We're going to do a, a, a Facebook Live, and we're going to have an accountability for multiple people, and we're going to get paid to have an accountability session. And she accredits my reading my book for her thinking that way. And so it is cool when someone, when someone does that for you. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. And, you know, it sounds um, a little trite. Sometimes you tell me, why do you do it? I love to help people. But it, you know, after a while, I have a, I have a, a great job and more money is always great. But that's not, you hear this, all these cliches around how money can't buy you happiness. And that's not what all of life, what life should be about. Those cliches are cliches for a reason. There's some truth packed in there. And right. so it's good to be working on something that really fills you up in some kind of way. Yeah. And I, one of my quotes from the book is money okay. isn't everything unless you don't have any or you don't have enough. That's right. Yeah, that's and right. And where that came from is my wife is Japanese. She goes home to Japan every year to visit her family. And while she's there, she had her health checks done because it's more comfortable for her. And it's actually, it's probably cheaper too right. because of their system. But she called me and she said, the initial test is cancer. Ooh. You know, and immediately I'm, I'm like, oh, I could lose my wife. But my second thought was, oh, crap, we can't afford this. And it wow. wasn't that we didn't have any money. It's that I didn't know if I could afford being able to drop everything, be by her side, go through the healthcare system, pay for all this stuff. And so I was afraid that I didn't have enough. Now, long story short, after eight sleepless nights, the biopsy came back just precancerous and everything had surgery and everything's okay. Wow. But I had, a, I call it the wake up call. I had a wake up call. Yeah. I absolutely. need to be more prepared because we don't know what's going to happen. You know, the, the economy was going along at a big click. And then all of a sudden this coronavirus and we have people that don't know what's going to happen. Right. You know, yeah, I was just, uh, we have a little Mexican food restaurant in, in Dallas, as you might imagine, Tex-Mex is a big thing, right? So we have this little neighborhood Mexican food restaurant um, that's just down the street from us, literally within walking distance of our home. We've got to know the owners. We eat there all the time. The food is amazing. Um, margaritas are pretty good too. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I was talking to the owner uh, in, in there tonight, Miguel, of course, we didn't eat in there because of all the Corona, you know, the social isolation stuff. But I went there to pick up food for my family. And I told him, I, as long as you are open, we will be buying food here. As long as you're selling food, we will come get food because I really feel for that guy because he is really these small business owners, right. especially the brick and mortar ones are really getting impacted by this. And as you know, as a small business owner, there are things that can just take you out, right? Yeah. You know, if, if the timing's bad and the event's big enough, there's no coming back from some of these things if you're not prepared. And the restaurant business is a capitally intensive business. It's really easy to get upside down on a restaurant. This restaurant hasn't been there all that long. And so I want to make sure that I do whatever I can in my small way to help this guy survive this thing. And there, there are literally hundreds of millions of small business owners across the world. They're going through this exact same thing right now. Right, right. And I've had it happen several times in my life. Uh, 2000, the 2000, uh, 9-11. Yeah. 9-11 uh, happened. I lost several hundred thousand dollars that put me in a, in a tough situation. Then 2003, 2004, 2005 were some of my best years. 2006, 2007, the Japanese exchange rate went against me. Right. And all of a sudden people stopped buying because it was costing them more to buy the dollar. Right. 
And so another struggle. Then the tsunami that hit Japan in 2011, 2012. That's another one that that put me on my backside. And now and now this, you know, so as a small business owner, you got to have be prepared for those ups and downs as a side hustler. You got to be prepared for those ups and downs and and be willing to, you know, have able to withstand that and and uh, maybe evolve. You know, if you're yeah. a speaker, we we were just talking about all the the speakers that we know that are getting their 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 speeches canceled. Yeah, absolutely, and no they doubt. Gotta, they got to be able to evolve and 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 figure out what they're going to do. And so that's so I say that I got this from my dad. He was a pig farmer in southern New Mexico, ah. but he didn't just he wasn't just a farmer. He had his hands in a dairy farm in Idaho. That's a long ways away. Right. You know, he had his part owner in a mushroom plant in Utah. He actually owned part of the property or was part owner and part of the property where Diamondback Stadium now stands in Arizona. Oh, wow. There you go. When they wanted that, there was quite a bit of money to be made. Right. Absolutely. And he just, he did lots of things. And I remember in the 80s, something happened and the stock, the stock that he had purchased and gotten a lot of people to purchase with him went down and it didn't come back up. And I remember how hard it was. It hit him pretty tough, but he was able to overcome it. And so all this stuff is, is just the education that my dad taught me by example. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's amazing to have those experiences of another generation to draw on like that. And what we're trying, what I'm trying to do here with this podcast and with everything that I do is to create that same environment for people who didn't have that growing up. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a that's a great mission for you with this podcast. I'm thrilled to be a small part of it. Well, I'm glad that you're here because I know you have some insights you can share with my listeners on on what it took for you to get started, what they need to to look at, some, you know, so let's let's get into that part of thing. What did it take for you to get started? You you talked about your wife, you know, told you about the guy, but yep. did it what kind of gumption did it take to get you to say, okay, I'm going to do this? Yeah, I think there's two pieces to this. And we'll take the part you asked about first, which is the the getting started part. And I think that's a that's an awesome topic. And then the second topic we we're going to want to cover that I think trips up a lot of people is the keeping going part. I think that is the starting is one thing and that's super critical, but keeping going sometimes that is, I, I have to help people with that so often. You know, for me, starting has to do with really um, getting your mind wrapped around a vision of what it is that you want. You know, what, what is it that you're trying to accomplish and, and getting that clear in your mind and then coupling that or getting some overlap between what you want and, and, and the, the thing that you're able to find to work on to do it. So, for example, it may be true that you can buy a, you, you can build a fantastic, amazing business selling food for worms. It may be true. I don't know. And the reason I don't know is I really don't care about worm food. And so it's going to be even if, and I see people make this mistake all the time, even if I can make a zillion dollars in the worm food industry, the budding, growing worm food industry, it's going to be really hard for me to, to, to really get up the interest the, to get to, to drive the curiosity that it takes to learn what it takes to be successful in that business. And so I always say that having a vision of what you want and then finding an overlap with your intrinsic interests, at least to start, is absolutely critical to get started. 
The mistake that I see people make is when they're 100% focused on money, which is very important. It's especially important if you don't have any, as you said. Um, The mistake they make is they just grab at something that looks like that will make them money, whether they're interested in it or not, or whether they have any aptitude there or not. And that's that's almost a guaranteed recipe for failure. Right. I, I agree. There's... You know, the three questions that I, that I tell people to take a look at is one, what do you like to do? What do you need to do? What are you already doing? And the reason, what do you like to do? It's obvious. You mentioned it there. You got to have, you got to like what you're doing or you're not going to continue. Right. I talk about what do you need to do? Because I think it's one of the most overlooked, you know, stuff that you need to do. You need to learn. My example is weight loss. Mm. I have a little side business in the weight loss industry because I was to a point where I needed to lose weight and the way my mind functioned as a monetized mind is, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to get paid to do it. Right. And, Absolutely. And I, and I, I say, if you're going to build a limit or if you're, if life hands you lemons, build a li- and then don't just make lemonade, build a lemonade stand and sell the stuff. Right. And life handed me lemons and being overweight and I had to, take care of that situation. So if I'm going to make lemons, I might as well sell the stuff. And that's what I, but it is a small business and I don't, I don't focus on it because I'm not passionate about it. Right. But just because I'm not passionate about it, doesn't mean it can't be a source of income of a residual income just by sharing my results. And that's, so that's why I t- want people to take a look at that. Cause if you need to do it, you're going to do it anyway. You might as well get paid to do it. Agree. Yeah. That makes sense to me. And then stuff you're already doing, if you're doing it anyway. And I, an example, an example would be my wife. She is Japanese. She speaks Japanese. She knows Japanese. Why not teach people how to speak Japanese? When I, I did an intensive two-month program to learn Japanese. I was dropped in Japan, and the first Japanese person I spoke to, I was like, that's not what I learned. Right. I've <laughs> had so the op- exact same experience. <laughs> so the opportunity to speak to a real Japanese person here in the United States is valuable. Right. And she can Absolutely. do it. Absolutely. Because so it doesn't sound like Ohio gazimas, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, it doesn't sound like that. So yeah, I always get big smiles in in Japan whenever I try to speak Japanese. I'm sure yours is much better than mine. My Japanese is horrible. (laughs) Well, I try, but when I don't live there, it's not as good as when I live there. That's for sure. Okay, so go on to your second point. Yeah, so, you know, I think a lot of times the excitement of starting something new can carry you through the starting phase. Even if you are not quite, you know, as you mentioned, have these three areas quite figured out, the excitement or maybe things that are happening to you can get you through the starting phase. And then all of a sudden you find yourself having started this thing that hopefully meets these, you know, these three criteria that you're talking about, for example. The question is, how do you keep going, especially if it's a side hustle every day? And so I think there are are some big philosophical ideas that you can leverage to keep going. And then there are hacks that you can leverage. The big philosophical idea that I try to encourage everyone to make sure that they understand is that you really need to know why you're doing it. There needs to be a very, very clear reason in your mind exactly why the thing that you're doing is important to you, what you hope to get out of it, what the future state is that you're going for. And one of my favorite quotes around this, I don't know if if you're familiar with Michael Hyatt, but his wife, Gail, um, she 
has this quote that she often is, she's often quoted as saying that people lose their way when they lose their why. And so I think it's really important that, that you know why. So that's the sort of the big philosophical condition, a situation that I like to remind people about. Tactically though, I think it's really just as simple as putting one foot in front of the other. People who are side hustling, I recommend to them that they do not let a single day go by without doing something that advances the state of their side hustle. Whether that's 10 minutes of productive work on some giant project that they're having trouble getting done, or whether it's a half an hour of, you know, it depends on what they're working on, but a half an hour of dealing with customer service with their business or whatever it is that they don't let a day go by. Because what I found are two things. One, if you let a day go by, sometimes that'll turn into two days and then three, and then eventually it's been a week since you worked on your side hustle. And then those weeks turn into months and you haven't done anything. And the, the flip of it is also true. If you do a little something every day, it's just a snowball effect. The momentum that you can accumulate as you integrate that work over the course of months or a year is amazing. And you'll look back and be amazed and how much you've been able to accomplish just by making a little bit of effort uh, every day. But I think the second reason, which is even more important, is that when you do a little something every day, this keeps your side hustle top of mind. And we know from a lot of different people who have studied this, Tony Robbins is the most famous guy, but a lot of these people that have studied the neurology of this sort of top of mind thing is that this keeps your subconscious mind engaged with your business. And this is where the good ideas in the shower come from. So you may do 20 minutes of work the, the, the night before, and then the next morning you're brushing your teeth and all of a sudden you have this amazing breakthrough idea for your business. Where does that come from? Well, it comes from the fact that you've constantly been presenting your conscious mind with these problems every day. You haven't let it back burner. You're keeping it on the front burner and your subconscious mind is rewarding you with these amazing ideas that you can go execute in your business. Those two things together, that momentum thing and the top of mind thing together are super powerful. And if you can develop the discipline to do that across weeks or months or years, that'll really pay dividends for you. Right. I. 100% agree with that. So in this keeping going and keeping things top of mind, did you have any stumbles or things that you had to do differently that you had to, to work around to help oh, you yeah. get better at that? Absolutely. I still have them every day. So, you know, I think with a side hustler, you said I have a big job, but I have a corporate job <laughs> and that corporate job is not a nine to five job, right? Sometimes things happen that make it a 24 hour a day job. Like right now with the coronavirus, there are things going on in my day job that require my attention more than just 40 hours a week. I mean, there's all kinds of international business continuity logistics that I'm working through for my business. So life gets in the way. I mean, all this to say that life gets in the way, you get sick or you get, you know, you have something that happens and you just have to do your best, one, not to get totally derailed, but two, is to have systems that help your side hustle business continue to operate even when you can't pay attention to it. I think the best way to do that is to start very early in the business to the extent that you can afford it to document standard operating procedures for things that you do in your business and try to outsource them little by little by little to people that virtual assistants or other people that you can trust and pay to work inside your 
business. I think that's the, the biggest thing. So even if my life is going sideways and I can only spend 20 minutes to give someone in the Philippines instructions they can take that 20 minutes of instructions and get eight hours of work done in the day. Or if there's two or three of them, 24 hours of work done in the day, even when I'm off dealing with the things that I've got to deal with in my personal life. So that idea of not letting yourself get totally derailed, getting back to it, not beating yourself up too much when, when life happens to you, coupled with having some people to help you as soon as you're able to do that. I think those are two pretty powerful ideas for dealing with that. Right. And I believe Gary Vaynerchuk says it, uh, awareness he calls it awareness in a, in a different way awareness of the things you need but also being aware of the stuff you like to do and that you're good at and outsourcing what you're not good at and what you don't like to do because it takes more time to learn how to do some of these things yeah and, absolutely and if you can, if you can add, i mean so taking care of this podcast is something that up until now i did myself till just recently and now i, I hired a high school kid to to take this raw stuff and put it up on my thing and make it look good. Yeah. Because it takes my time. It's awesome too. Not only because it frees you up to do more and make even more money or bring your business along further. It also, I mean, this is what entrepreneurship is, right? You're creating an opportunity for that high school student and who knows, he might end up, you know, on broadcast television or owning Clear Channel someday because you gave him a shot to do this kind of simple work that you didn't want to do when he was in high school. I mean, the, the ripple effects of this kind of entrepreneurship are massive. And so not only is it good for you, man, it, it's really good for this high school kid who, I mean, there's no telling how it might affect his life depending on his personal situation. So right. good on you for doing that. And I think if more people did that, especially in situations like we have today with the coronavirus, where there are all these gig economy people that are looking for stuff to do, when you've got the opportunity to outsource like that, it doesn't just help you. It's, it's a big picture economically particularly right and it it's hard it was hard for me to let go of that you know it's it's hard for me to to let go and and delegate and how about you yeah, absolutely. And the podcast is a really good example for me. Um, I, I like to edit my own audio. I have for years and I have friends that have entire podcast production companies that have offered to do it for me and they would even do it better than me. And sometimes I do that, but it's really hard. And not just because I, not because I don't trust them to do it anymore, although that's certainly been an issue in the past, but I just enjoy doing it. It's a terrible use of my time, but yeah, <laughs> it is what it is. It is. And it's, but sometimes it's hard to delegate. And, and that's what a true leader is, is someone who is able to delegate and then just lead. Yeah, know? absolutely. I completely agree. And that's, that's part of what you, part of a side hustle is, or if you want to grow your side hustle into a business, that's part of what you have to be willing to do. Yeah, absolutely right. So I have a couple of questions in closing here that I like to ask all of my people that I have on the podcast. Okay, awesome. Bring it. One is from a Tim Ferriss book, The Uh, Tribe of Mentors. Awesome. Very good book. What failure or what what seemed like a failure that you learned the most from? Oh, gosh. So So it really wasn't a failure. Yeah. Well, God, how much, how long is this show? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So lots of failures. I think um, one that always sticks in my mind is there, 
there was a time when I was super careless about things related to online business security, particularly with regard to things like backups and password authentication and things like that. And I, you know, used the same password in a lot of places. And I had four or five money-making websites. This was back in a time when I had lots of different individual websites that made money hacked simultaneously because they were all using the same password and significantly impact my income. And so that failure, um, it felt like a failure at the time, but now I have really, really good password practices. I use the, you know, one of these password management products in order to keep that stuff safe. I've extended that to my personal life and all, you know, I use two-factor authentication and all that. And so that's made a lot of things in my life a lot more secure um, because of that failure. When I look back on it at a time that really didn't matter, I mean, if it happened now, it would be a lot, a lot bigger deal. And so this is one of the things that I often counsel people on, um, including my kids even, that they need to be careful with passwords, not using, not use the same password on every site and things like that. And so that, that would be one um, example of just dismal failure that really turned into a best practice for me in my business. Man, it never seems to surprise me how my interviews are meant for me. <laughs> I, I use LastPass and last week or maybe two weeks ago, something happened and I had to log back into my LastPass mm-hmm. and I couldn't remember my password. Oh boy. LastPass doesn't have a good way to get your password back. And so they, they said, start over. Yeah. That's on purpose. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I have to start over. And so I kind of have been the past couple of weeks just using the same password because I didn't want to get caught to where I had to get all my passwords. So I guess I need to go back and redo all my passwords for LastPass, which I will do that. Yeah. I tell you what, from you, I will tell you what I do about this problem because this Single point of failure for passwords that can't be recovered is an issue. So I choose a password that hopefully I can remember. It's complicated, but I can remember it. And then I write it down in some kind of simple code. Like it's a code that I would obviously recognize but someone who, you know, happened across that piece of paper, not only would they not know what the password was for, but they wouldn't know my simple code. So maybe, you know, the kind of code you would use when you were a little kid, like you add, it's two letters up from every letter, or you add every other letter as an extra bogus letter or something like that. And I locked that away in my safe. Now, This still means that I need to remember the combination to the safe, which could be an issue (laughs) at some point, but my wife has that. So hopefully that won't be too much of an issue, but I do, that is the one password that I write down, but I never write it down in the clear. Lesson well learned. Thank you for that tonight. So the next one, let's flip that around. Yes. Biggest success that you've learned the most from and what did you learn? You know, it's something that continues to give me success. So one of the things that I always try to do is add value to people where I can. And I, I have these amazing relationships now today in my business just because I've met people influential people in my space and people with businesses that are, um, you know, a hundred times literally a hundred times bigger than my side hustle business that I call friends because I just completely without any strings attached added value into whatever they were doing. And I did that because that's the way I'm wired. But the reciprocity that came back from that was just enormous. 
And so, you know, I think having that servant leadership mentality where you're just trying to help people is the is the biggest success that I continue to have in my business. And the most tangible evidence of it has just been all these amazing relationships that I've been able to build over the last 10 years with just captains of this industry, of the online business industry, just people that I'm just still in awe of even today um, that I call friends, which is really great. I love that because you are the, you live what you just said. We don't know each other. This is true. We do now though. Yeah. We, yes. I heard you on a Pat Flynn podcast. I reached out to you through your website, I believe. I think that's right. Yeah. And I said, Mark, I, I heard you on Pat Flynn's podcast. I love what you had to say. Would you be on my podcast? And we started talking through back and forth through email and now you're on my podcast. Yes. And I, I was thrilled to get your email and I'm sorry I was so hard to schedule, but here we are. I am. I, I don't know you that well, but you live what you just said because you're on someone who you have no idea how big or small I am. You don't care. Yeah, I don't. You're, and you know what? With me. And here's why, because if you have one listener that this helps, I'm good. So if I said one little small thing, that one listener that you have that goes, oh man, that really helps me. I'm happy. That's awesome. That's all it takes for me. 100% agree. I love that. Okay. So one of the last questions, what book do you quote from the most or do you use the most? What book do I? Oh, okay. That's easy. So um, I am the biggest Zig Ziglar fan that there ever possibly was, probably. Um, I met Zig one time by accident in Dallas. I ran into him in a gym. But when I was 18 years old, I was dating a girl and God, I was so in love with that girl. I thought for sure I was going to marry her. Um, I was dating a girl whose dad owned his own business and his business involved selling things and he was a huge Zig Ziglar guy. This was back in the 80s. And he had tapes. Now, you're, you may be old enough to remember what tapes are, but it turns out <laughs> that there used to be these little things called cassette tapes that had magnetic media inside. And that magnetic media contained Zig Ziglar's voice explaining to me things about like how to close sales. And one of the things that Zig said, and it is actually on the back of my business cards that I use for my side hustle business is, and I can just hear him saying this, you can get everything you want in life if you'll help enough other people get what they want. And so this, this, so the answer to the book is Zig Ziglar, and he's used that in many books. So let's just say Rise to the Top or one of those books by Zig. And it's that, um, it's that quote, it's that particular quote that really drives the way I approach everything with this kind of servant leadership mentality is helping other people get what they want. I like that. I, you have, like I said, you, you live what you say. Okay. Last, last question before we wrap up here. What is the last advice you would give for somebody who may be on the edge, especially in, with this going on right now with the coronavirus going on right now there, they want to do something, but they're just on the edge. What would Yeah, absolutely. So take massive action, just take action. And 
you're going to uh, make mistakes. Things are going to happen. You'll have to undo and redo things, um, but just take action. The one mistake or one of the main mistakes that I, I see people do all the time is they think about doing a thing, but they don't actually do anything. I think this idea of taking action, even if you're not sure if it's the right action, is an absolutely critical thing. If you don't take action, the one thing I can guarantee you is that nothing good is going to happen. Right. Very good, Mark. Very good. Where can people get a hold of you if they want to connect with you? Where's the best place for people to go? LateNightInternetMarketing.com. If that's too much to type, which it's too much for me, LateNightIM.com. I'm easy to find on all social media. Just look for Late Night Internet Marketing. Awesome. There is a, an amusement park. You're in Dallas, correct? That is correct, sir. There is an amusement park. I'm trying to remember. Zero Gravity. You heard of it? Okay. No. It's, it's on the corner of two interstates. I think it's 35 and 20. Do they go through you guys? Well, at 35 and 20, that's where Six Flags over Texas is. Is that what you're talking about? No, it's not Six Flags. It's a, there's a, on one side of the road, there's a, like a, a, a race car thing. And on the other side of the road, there's this thing called Zero Gravity. They have a bungee jump, a sky coaster. Oh, yes. I know exactly where you're talking about. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. There is a ride there called Nothing But Net. And it's okay. an extreme thing. You drop into a net from about 150 feet in the air. Okay. That does not sound good, but okay. I built that ride. Okay. All right. Go try it. Okay. No. <laughs> no. And it's just totally off the wall. But I was sitting here thinking, you know, you're in Dallas. You know, there's this thing that I did in Dallas. It's pretty cool. Okay. I'll go check it out. That's awesome. I might, maybe I'll take my son there. That sounds like something he might want to do. He's a 13 year old daredevil. So we'll see what he has to say. Hey, I appreciate your time tonight. It's been a pleasure. I enjoyed it. And I think there's a lot of value here that you shared with my audience. Well, I'm so glad. That's why I'm here. So uh, I'm glad that's helpful to you. It's been a real pleasure. And thank you very much, Bart. Really enjoyed it. And for everybody listening, until next time, go monetize it. Thanks for listening. Remember, monetize your mindset. Build financial security by monetizing what you already know so that you will always have the resources to deal with whatever happens when what happens happens. Follow us on Facebook and at BartMerrill.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review.